we spoke about human speech. Human speech has two unique characteristics. It reveals to the hearer, to the listener, that which was previously hidden in the speaker's thoughts. And two, once the word is shared, the spoken word becomes a distinct entity separate from the speaker. Hashem's speech, on the other hand, seems to only have the first characteristic. It reveals something. But the second idea, that it's separate, obviously does not exist. But we started exploring the idea that even though nothing is separate from Hashem, but in our perception, in the human perception, there is, in fact, that feeling that God's words, in other words, his world that he created in speech, is separate from him. Because after all the tzimtzum Hashem did, all the holding back of his own light that he had to facilitate in order to create us and all the diversity in the world around us, that allows us to create a perception that was separate. And take note, the tzimtzum is so big that it allows for there to be things in this world that are what's called sitra achra, the other side of Hashem. Things that are klipa, they're in a shell. The shell is of impurity. Inside there might be holiness, but the shell is so thick, it almost seems impenetrable. So think about how much Hashem had to hide himself in order to have a world in which murder and rape is possible. And so many of the things that are against Hashem's will. You see, because no amount of contractions could give rise to such evil, to klipa. Even at its lowest level, the divine life force would not ordinarily produce creations that deny God. So he points out it's the quality and intensity of the tzimtzum, of the holding back, rather than their numerousness that permits klipa to come into being. In other words, you could have 5,000 levels, but ultimately, level one and 5,000 have some connection. So therefore, the intensity of the klipa is what matters, the intensity of the tzimtzum. And that facilitates a world in which we live in, in which we feel often that there is no God. We could deny his existence, and we could do things that are totally counter to his will. Now, why did Hashem do it? Hashem obviously did it for free choice. So although he sustains this stuff, he sustains stuff that are impure, he does it very reluctantly, what he calls It's a reluctant giving. It's giving from the back. You know, they say, who are the two people that are the most distant? So you could say it's me and the person standing on the other side of the planet. No. It's the person standing behind you, back to back, for you. Because you have to go around the whole world to come to that person. In other words, the, the biggest distance could be physically close, but mentally distant. And that is the way Hashem sustains all the stuff He doesn't want to. And therefore it's referred to backwards, achorayim, the back. Hashem sustains it from the back, 
and through that is facilitated the entire universe of stuff that can exist in their own mind, independent, aniva afsiyoid, it's only me, there's nothing else, and the idea of total denial of God. Interesting point that he brings up. He says that denial of God doesn't only come through an atheism, it comes through an arrogance. What does he mean? Not that atheism is arrogant. But when a person is arrogant, what they're declaring is, I am important. In other words, I exist. And I am important. And that is forgetting the fact that there's only one true existence, Hashem. So in that way, arrogance and um, denial of Hashem's existence have the same characteristics. There are many more ideas explored in this chapter 22, but that is just a shortened version.